Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. All right. Heart of prayer. Last week, Chris kicked us off, did a great job, I thought, on, uh, on starting us on part one, the, the first message of the year. And I thought, you know, what an excellent message on prayer. And he taught us to, you know, when we pray, why we pray, where we pray, and what we pray. I, I really loved his point on setting, on getting the, the right setting and kind of seeing it like comparing it to a date. Uh, and I actually felt very convicted and challenged, uh, mostly because the Lord had been telling me for some time I need to leave my phone on a different table when I'm doing my devotions. And I half the time obey and half the time I don't. Uh, because, you know, you have your reasons. Well, I have a Bible app on there and I have, there's, there's things that I need on there for my devotions, right? Even though I also have my physical journal and Bible there. Isn't it funny how we justify things? Anyways, I felt very convicted by that when he was talking about we wouldn't want to pull out our phones on a date with your spouse. And I thought, no, I would never do that. Right? You wouldn't want to hang out with your friends and then sit there. Well, maybe the younger generation does. I don't know. But uh, you see that sometimes. People sitting in a circle and they're all on their phones together. Uh, that's not the way to leave connected. You can be together with someone and not ever feel that connection. And I think that's super important when we're looking at a relationship with God as well. I thought that was an excellent point. And so I'm going to jump right in off of there. We're going to start into part two. And I'm actually going to, to go back, jump into one point that he made on the why we pray. Because I think this is, this is a critical piece in growing an effective or powerful prayer life. And I want to start this off by saying good prayer. So what is a good prayer? What is a bad prayer? Any prayer you pray towards God is moving you towards good prayer. Can I just make that clear as we start? As we're going into 2023, any prayer you pray, anything you offer to God, even if it's feeble, even if it's just help, that's all I have right now, I don't know the words, I just need help, or I want to know you more, but I don't know how to start, you don't even know how to tell him you want to know more, I just, Lord, I need to know you, but I don't know where else to go. That prayer... He hears, and it is precious to him. In the same way that anything my kids say to me, any attention they give towards me is also precious. I honor that attention. I honor that. I value it. In fact, I seek it. I love getting their attention. I love making them smile if I can. There's one of my daughters right there. She's smiling at me right now. See, that was, I filled my tank. See, that's all it took. God, if I'm like that, how much more is God like that? He wants us to come to him in our stress, in our hurts, in our pains, in our joys. You're excited. Uh, <laughs> maybe this sounds, you'll think it's silly, but you know that one of the first things I often do, like I like to exercise. It's one of the things I like doing. I'll hit a new personal best, and I'll right away be celebrating with the Lord. You're like, God doesn't care about that. Of course he does. Because he cares about me. So any prayer that you pray is moving you towards good prayer. Now, I know you might say, well, yeah, but what about and try to caveat? I'm not going to bring the caveats in, and I know you could maybe find, what if you're saying something negative towards him or you're slandering him? Okay, whatever, then don't call that prayer. But I'm trying just to encourage everyone in here to move towards growing their prayer life because I, I'm convinced that the more we know God, the more we will pray. And the more we pray, the more we will know God. And it is a cycle that we have to start somewhere. So any, good, any prayer is moving you in that direction. Okay, so... Why we pray is very important. I also want to get onto, and you will have seen, I actually want to walk us through this um, because I think it's just fun to do stuff together. Uh, and it's way easier. And I know some of you are like, well, I already know how to pray. I don't need this. Great. Great. This isn't the only way to pray either. I don't pray always like this either. But so then there's many others in here that are like, how do I, how do I start my prayer life? And so I wanted us to do it together. We can get all the generations working together. I think that's great too. All right. So why do we pray? The heart of prayer. And so Chris did a great job. But I just want to say powerful and consistent prayer comes from a heart that knows God and desires to be known by God. And those two go together. Because some people want to know God more, but then they actually don't want to be known by God. And the, the, the funny thing about that is we are already known by God. But there's something about us <laughs> stating, confessing, opening up our hearts to God, even though he already knows what's in here, that is for our benefit. In fact, we're limited in how much we can know him personally if we don't allow ourselves to be known by him. And so powerful and even consistent prayer comes out of that heart that really centers on, I want to know God and I want to be known by God. And obviously not every prayer is focused on that, but, but it comes out of that heart that's focused there. And that's what we want. Now I often hear people say, 
I just don't have time to pray. You ever thought that or said it out loud? Don't, it's rhetorical, sorry. I should, be, I should always clarify before I ask a question if someone raises their hand. I've said that. Now, I haven't said it in a while, but I've, I've totally said that. I don't have time to pray. I'm in a busy season. It's a season of life. Like, I just don't have time to pray. And you know what? I get seasons. But what's interesting to me is when I look at some of the people that I, that I look up to that have accomplished big things for the kingdom or who have been successful in their walk, and by the way, big things, I don't just mean big ministries, but where they have demonstrated a heart that loves God and that loves people, that they have been fruitful by Scripture's standards, what do you find is they're not too busy to pray. In fact, in their busyness, they find time to pray. They prioritize prayer. So how do we get to that spot? Like, you, you might just say, well, I just, I'm not there. Like, you're in a busy season. I don't have time. And I, I, get, that under, I, I get that excuse, or that reason, I should call it. I don't have time. But I would challenge that we do have time. Something Ken McAllister said to me years ago uh, when I said, sorry, I haven't had time. I think we were working together at Steinbeck Dodge the first time that uh, he said it to me. But I had said I don't have time for something, and he quipped up, and if you know Ken, you'll know how he does this, and I love it. Uh, but he right away said, ah, we all have the same amount of time. You, just not, you don't want to use your time for this. <laughs> and I thought, I can't even argue with that. You're right. It is true. We all have 24 hours. There is nobody that has more time or less time than the next person. We have the same amount of time. It's, it's how we prioritize and what we choose to spend that time on. And so I loved that because I couldn't say anything back to him because it just, it told me that I hadn't prioritized what I said I'd be prioritizing. Anyways, the point is, when you look at your life, you're going to find that you prioritize all sorts of things, even when you're busy. Whatever you think is going to give you the thing that you need, or is going to alleviate pain, you'll end up prioritizing in your life. It'll actually come second nature. It'll be easy. You'll sacrifice all sorts of things for the thing that's going to help you in what you think you need help with. And, and we see this, right? I mean, if a person who believes, you know, that, uh, that going on their phone, right? Let's say you're a person here that struggles with anxiety. I understand what anxiety is like, and your mind is racing, and you just want a break. So you just feel like every, the thoughts are always going, going, going. And you find that going on your phone gives you a break. Right? I can go on here and distract myself. And suddenly, I shouldn't actually open my email thing. That will genuinely distract me, which I was doing now. But anyways, you, you'll go on here and distract yourself. And in those moments, all the things that were racing about, the things you have to do and the things you have to get done and the things you didn't do with your kids or the things you were supposed to do with your friend or that commitment you made that you haven't lived up to and you're just like, <gasps> sorry if you struggle with anxiety. That may have triggered you. All of those things, for a moment, when you're reading the news or scrolling or clicking on social media, it stops for a moment. Now, it's not a genuine peace, but it actually gives relief. I bet you there's people in here that have been too busy to pray or spend time in the Word over this last year, but they have not been too busy to distract themselves on social media. And I, I am not saying that to point fingers because then I'd, be the, I'd have to point fingers at myself. I get it. I'm human just like everyone else in here and I, I sometimes just shut off, right? I just want to shut everything off for a second and just huh, breathe. I get it. I'm just making a point that we think sometimes we're too busy and then we don't try to reprioritize or, or change things in our lives. And the truth is we have the same amount of time as the next person. We get to choose how we are going to invest, invest our, t our attention and focus and our time and our resources God has given them. I know it gets tricky, though, because you get stuck on the, oh, I know this actually works to shut it off, and I don't know how to approach God in prayer, and then there's like this journey, but I actually do need relief. I get the struggle. Okay? So I know how it goes. But anyways, we will go to great lengths in giving time, money, health, sacrifice relationships, and more for the thing that we believe will help us in our time of need. That's the basis of addictions, isn't it? We're trying to medicate pain. Even with a dysfunctional behavior, we have found that that dysfunctional behavior gives us something that we feel like we need in that moment. So it takes work to retrain yourself. Sanctification takes work. All right. So, um, I'll give you a little story. This is what happens. When you, when you go and try to satisfy yourself in the wrong way, it often leaves you with a, a funny taste in your mouth. Isn't that true? You ever notice that? And it doesn't give you quite what you want? 
I had this time. I've been looking for a way to share the story. So it will sort of fit. I had to make it fit. Uh, a little bit like a circle. Caitlin's smiling. You know where this is going? I wish Sarah was in here. Then I would be able to tell her. Lint chocolate versus a bath bomb. You're like, Lint chocolate versus a bath bomb? Well, I'll tell you one, another weird thing that you might not know about me. There's lots of weird things. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. Other than I eat in my sleep. Is that weird? It's weird. You can just accept it. It's weird. We have locks on our food at nighttime and padlocks and all that kind of stuff. And that's a genuine thing my kids have been raised in because otherwise I eat everything in my sleep. Okay, moving on from that weirdness. So I woke up one night and I'm searching. So I search and I sneak around and I look for food in my sleep. I did it again last night, but I can't find anything because it's locked up. I'm sneaking into my daughter's room. I'm looking for something. I have a need. Like I need something sweet. I need protein or sugar. That's what it is. Anything protein and sugar I will devour jar of peanut butter, gone. Uh, tub of ice cream, gone. Anyways, I'm in my daughter's room, Sarah's room, and I'm searching around because I know they have treats in there. And I knew that in my conscious mind. And by the way, I'm semi-conscious for this. Normally I forget it, and then it takes me a few hours in the morning, and it slowly starts coming back, what I did. Anyways, I'm in the room, and I'm sleeping, and I'm searching around for treats that I know are hidden in there. And I find a lint chocolate. I mean, this is a lint chocolate. I'm, I'm just like the delight because I'm a bit like an addict at night. It's like, <gasps> you need this so badly. And I found this lint chocolate and it's a white chocolate one. I opened the wrapper. It's white chocolate. I'm so excited. And I chucked that thing in my mouth. <laughs> it ain't a lint chocolate. Let me tell you that. It's salty and soapy, and there's bubbles coming out of my mouth, and I don't know what's happening. I wake up. This is how I wake up, okay? So I, the rest of it I actually didn't fully remember, but I wake up totally disoriented and confused. I'm like, whoa! I'm, there's bubbles coming out everywhere. It's absolutely awful. I had just eaten one of my daughter's bath bombs. <laughs> awful. Anyways, reminds me of a scripture, though, doesn't it? <laughs> Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? I think many of us are looking for lint chocolate in our life. We're looking for it, but we're putting bath bombs into our mouth and we're wondering why it doesn't satisfy. This isn't a new problem, <laughs> okay? Maybe your problem doesn't look like mine, but this is an age-old problem that Isaiah was highlighting. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? There is a better way, folks. There's a better way. And Scripture and the Lord God himself beckons you. He invites you. And he just says, come and taste what is good. Eat rich food. Don't put that bath bomb in your, in your mouth. You think it's going to be sweet. It's never sweet. It's always salty, always bubbles, always full of soap. <laughs> Still can't believe I did that. <laughs> you like how I redeemed it, though, and brought it to Isaiah? That's crafty. You would, you would not believe the smile, how big it was on my face when I realized how I could put this all together. <laughs> yeah, anyways, I was very pleased with myself. Mind you, that doesn't take very much. Anyways, but I mean, look at this. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I mean, we all know this. No, that's not true. But many of us know this. You might, you might be like, wow, I've never seen that before. And if so, then, then let me encourage you to taste and see that this is true. Well, there's many others in here, and you're like, I've read that before. It doesn't work for me. Like, I, that's not where I'm at. Like, I've tried that, or I've had moments before, but I've moved on. Have you, though? Maybe you're just weary. We watched uh, Prince Caspian yesterday. It was such a, that's such a good movie, by the way, the, the Narnia and uh, anyhow, I just, I loved the movie. It was great. It was very entertaining, but that strong theme of they, were, they had it at one point, you know, in the line, the Witch in the Wardrobe. They had it there. And then it's like they can't come back into Narnia, and it's like a fog has come over their eyes, and they kind of forget the ways of Aslan. And they're still, they're still fighting for him, but they're looking for another way to get their victory. They're thinking, this enemy's different. It's different. Like, I mean, this is... This is not like that old way. We can't just wait on Aslan or Jesus. We can't just wait on him. We've got to take matters into our own hand. We've got to fix this. We've got to do this, and it doesn't turn out well for them in the story. But the truth is, we all do this in our lives, and it doesn't turn out well for us. So why is it? Like, what is it about this, this why? Why is it that we get stuck? You know, we, we want to pray. We know that we do prioritize for other things. So where, where is this, you know, block coming from? And 
in prayer. And I think it comes actually from one thing. I think it actually comes from not knowing the one we're praying to. I think it's simply that simple. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very easy. I'll actually jump to another example. Uh, recently, we were trying to get a return for something that we had purchased from Amazon. I don't know if any of you have ever done that before. It's always been a good experience. This time it was not. Okay? So it seemed as though it got lost in the mail, and, uh, and I kept contacting different people, and they kept assuring me that all is well. And as days kept going on and I didn't see the refund, I'm feeling less and less assured that all is well. Now, why is it that I don't, you know, take comfort when Amazon assures me everything's going to be okay, we're going to take care of you, we've always, you know, don't worry. Why is it that I take no comfort in Amazon's reassurance that I will be taken care of and everything will be okay? It's simple. I don't know anyone there. I know they're a business. I actually know a lot of things about them. I firmly believe they're real, <laughs> right? There's no, like, doubt in my mind on the, on the reality, the substance of Amazon. I know they're real. I know they got warehouses full of stuff. I know they have a really good system that made them a lot of money. I know that. I know there's real employees that work there, and I know the people that I'm talking to are real, although sometimes it's a chat bot, and I do recognize that too. But the point is, it's not a belief issue in the sense of, do I believe that they exist? Do I believe that they're real? The problem is personal knowing, personal knowledge of anyone that works there. So I know they could, yeah, refund my money with an instant. I know they couldn't. It wouldn't hurt them, even if they had lost the item. I know that. I know that they have the power to do what they're saying they're going to do. I just don't trust them to do it. Does that make sense? And I think that's often our problem with God. We, we know, you know, you might be sitting here, maybe you don't know that he exists. That's a whole other conversation for another message, but, but there's lots of good reasons why I would tell you that he does. But for most of us in here, it, you're not having a belief issue in the existence of God. You're having an issue with, do I trust God to be who he says he is? Do I trust him to do what he has promised to do in his word? And trust is more than just a cognitive belief. It's based on experience. You, you experience with people as you get to know them, you grow in trust, and that's why you depend on them. Does that make sense? That's why we depend on anyone you depend on. You depend on them because you've experienced them as dependable. You trust them. And I think it's that simple with our prayer life. It's that simple and that hard. Because I know the, the problem is, well, how do we get to, to that spot where we trust him? There is this in-between spot where you have to step out in faith. You step out in faith and you begin to experience God. And then as he begins to meet with you and you meet with him, you grow in trust for him. And there's always going to be an element of stepping out in faith, always. But as you grow in trust, it changes. The nature of your relationship changes. And I'll tell you, that's the, the biggest thing that's changed, you know, in my own life, getting through the last few years. I mean, there's, very rare, there's a very rare time that I will ever break my appointment with the Lord in the morning, even if I didn't sleep all night. And you ask, how do you get there? I don't know a one step to get there. It's at, slowly as, as he becomes more important than anything else in my life, I just can't imagine not making time for him in the same way that someone who Netflixes or, or binges on Netflix to feel any sense of joy or calm in their life finds the time to do that too. I believe the answer to growing prayer, breaking free from sin, enduring hardship, overcoming every trial you face, bearing fruit... All of this is found in the depths of knowing God. I believe there's nothing more important that you could waste your life on. In fact, if you would choose to waste this life on knowing God, you're just doing the warm-up for eternity. It's a warm-up. It's practice. You'll never regret it. I think putting knowing God first and being known by Him first as central in your life will put everything else you go through in perspective. For, the, for those longevity prayers, those things that you haven't seen answers for, it's going to give you the ability to endure. It's hard to endure if you don't know God is for you and not against you. Like, how, you can read those verses, right? I mean, if God is for us, who can be against us? You can read that and say, that's an awesome verse. But to feel that is very different. To actually feel as you go through a trial that, I don't know how this is going to turn out. This is pretty bad. But I know, I know God is for me. I know God is good. And even if this doesn't work out, I trust him. I trust him. That's what we want to get to. All right. 
By the way, Amazon did return my product, just to quickly say, I don't want to talk badly about them, and you wonder, should I not return mine? Yeah, it's all good there. J.I. <sighs> Packer said this, show me someone's prayer life, and I will show you the depth in which they know God. That's paraphrased. So I did quote it like that, but I did paraphrase it because I couldn't find it. It's in the book, Knowing God. It's a very, very good book. Anyways, <laughs> what a statement. Isn't that a statement? Show me someone's prayer life, and I will show you the depth in which they know God. He was convinced that the more someone knew God, the more they would pray. And, and I love the way he kind of looked at this whole thing. And he, he looked at, I mean, people think they don't have purpose. You don't have purpose? Like, do you have breath in your lungs? You can pray. Do you realize who you're praying to? Do you know him? You think because you're a senior, you're old, that you don't have anything to offer? Do you have the ability to pray? You think because you're bedridden that you can no longer be of use in the kingdom? He believed that prayer was the most powerful thing that we could do, and as long as you had breath in your lungs and the ability to think and reason, that you were able to use the most powerful weapon available to all believers, prayer. So, good prayer is centered on knowing God, and that's why our a church-wide prayer request is Psalm 27, verse 4. I'm trying to attach verses to it just like last year, uh, so I would encourage you to memorize them if you want. Uh, I always will, but uh, that doesn't mean you have to. I just find when you take prayer, and we're going to also, by the way, not today, I won't talk about it today, but I want to show you how to attach it with worship, prayer, and the Word. You bring those three together, and let me tell you, it's dynamite. But one thing have I asked of the Lord, that, will, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon His beauty and to inquire in His temple. David got the heart of prayer. That's it. One thing have I asked for. Like he got. That's what prayer is all about. I just want to be with God. I just want to know him more. That's it. That's it. And then to inquire in his temple. He had lots of needs. And if you look throughout the rest of Psalm 27, he makes requests. But his requests are all coming out of a heart that's centered on one thing have I asked. This is the, this is the big thing, Lord. If, if you don't give me anything else on this earth, I just want the one thing. One thing that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That I could see you, to gaze upon your beauty just once, just once, and I'd be satisfied. I'd need nothing else. He got it, and that's the one we're going to use. So, the problem we have. So, now we're going to move on to, because I want to get into the practice too. Why we fast. So, the heart of fasting. So, we looked at the heart of prayer is to know God. That's it. To know God and be known by God. Why we fast. To the heart of fasting. Um, first, We'll go through this rather quickly because I really do. I'm excited to do this together. Just checking the time. Quick coffee break here. Mm. Oh, so good. All right. First, Jesus said when, not if, we'd fast. And this, this is actually, it can't be overstated. Now, I want to I be clear. Uh, although he did assume and expect his disciples to fast, I, you can't actually find it as a clear command. It's not a command where thou shalt fast, but clearly, look, he says it twice in the same passage. I kind of took out abbreviated, but you can read the whole thing. Um, Chris went through it last week. He did a great job. But uh, on, the, on the prayer side, this is right after what Jesus talks about with prayer. He goes into fasting. And when you fast, and he says, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites do. And when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen. Then look at that end there. And your father who sees in secret will what? Help me here. What will he do? Does anyone in here want rewards from God himself? There is a reward waiting for you for fasting. <laughs> you think, but I'm giving something good up. And your father says, but I have something better. But it takes trust. You might say, I don't have that trust. Well, then you start trust with faith. It takes faith. You take a step, and you learn. All right, so when we'd fast, that's, that's super important. Second, probably this is more, you know, this is probably equally important anyways, Jesus fasted. If he had to fast and pray, we need to fast and pray. Have you ever just thought about that? He wasn't just going through the motions. He fasted and prayed. And multiple things. You know he fasted more than food. He also fasted sleep. Interesting. He was human just like we were. But we'll start here in Matthew 3. Uh, Matthew 3, 16. First you have Jesus, he's getting uh, baptized, right? So he's getting baptized, the Holy Spirit comes on him. So we know he got baptized, he followed that. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it says, then Satan led him out into the, or the Holy Spirit led him out into the desert to be tempted by Satan. 
And then he says, after fasting 40 days and nights, he was what? Help me out. Hungry. By the way, you don't know how many times I smile, because I have this memorized. How many times I smile every time I go there, because it's just the humanity. I love it that they include his humanity. Because you're like, after fasting 40 days and night, Jesus is a legend, and he is. <laughs> but like us, he was hungry. I can only imagine how hungry he must have been. So, so what we see is this, this idea of Jesus being led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by Satan. It's part of, uh, of, of you know, the, the purpose assigned to him. And he's going into the desert then at his very weakest, right? I mean, like, if you're going to face something hard, like if you're going to run a marathon, you would never fast 40 days and 40 nights before running a marathon, would you? No. You'd be crazy. Like, if you knew you were going to go work, do something grueling, or go somewhere, like, I mean, you want to gather your strength. The harder the task, the more you gather your strength. You don't want to fast sleep, certainly not, definitely not food, because you want to go into your trial, or you want to go into whatever you're facing at your peak. Jesus had a different idea about how to go into something with peak strength. His idea of going into something in peak strength was by removing the fleshy desires that he had. Not sinful desires, because he didn't have sinful desires. But he did. He was human. He had all of our weaknesses. He fasted. When, when you would think he'd be at his weakest, he was at his absolute strongest, full of the Spirit going into the desert. You know, but it's interesting. When you look at Luke 6, uh, 12 to 13, look what he did here. It doesn't use the word fast, but this is a fast. On these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer. Whoa. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from the twelve. He actually fasted sleep. He tarried all night in prayer. He fasted sleep here. And then he goes and calls the apostles. So what was he fasting for here and praying for? Was he trying to get direction? Was he getting the names? I don't know. Was he fasting and praying for them? That they'd be ready? That they'd be protected? We don't totally know. We know that he was praying to God, connecting his heart. We know that he, he went without sleep. Before going and selecting the 12, what was more important to Jesus was to stay up and sleep. He needed to go in at his strongest again. By the way, this is the same as the Garden of Gethsemane. What did he say to his disciples? Do you remember? Matthew 26. Stay awake, watch with me, and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> the flesh is weak. So he says the flesh is weak, and the way to conquer a weak flesh so that you can do the things that the Spirit is willing to do is by weakening the flesh even more. Fast. Now, of course, Jesus didn't fast all the time. He was a human. He slept. We find him in a boat, remember, in the middle of a storm. What's he doing? Taking a nap. Right? A good nap in the middle of the day, whenever it was that they were crossing. He's napping while everyone else is working. So he was a human being. He ate, he feasted, he drank. But when he was going to face something difficult, he fasted. And that's what he did. Charles, Charles Finney, oh, I got to quit. I'm going to speed up here a little bit because we're going to start. But anyhow, Charles Finney, who just went and like, there was massive, like in the awakening that, that followed him, so many people gave their lives to Christ. I forget the number. There was some 500 at one time or maybe 1,000. No, I'm, I'm misquoting. Anyhow, the point is, what he said, like he, he would preach and people would just like repent from sins. Like people would come up and repent from sins, turn their life to God. There was clearly an anointing on him. It wasn't just his words. God was on him in a unique way for such a time as this. But you know what he said? That the spirit sometimes would leave him and his preaching would become like a normal man's. Just like anybody else's. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference. So you know what he would do? He'd pray and fast for a day before he'd go up and preach. And then everything would change again, and people, it would go, it would extend beyond his ability to preach. People would be convicted by God himself. Interesting, isn't it? Pray and fast. So, third, very quick here, and that is, this is probably the primary way to humble ourselves and turn our hearts back to God. If the primary purpose of, of prayer is to know God and to be known by God, then I would say the primary purpose of fasting is to assist in that by humbling ourselves before him. Because we don't approach God as equals, do we? Though he beckons us to come without fear, in a sense, right? To come boldly into his throne, we still have to humble ourselves before him. And, and when we fast, we are actually humbling ourselves before him. And we're taking even the good things of our lives, the things that are necessities for life, and we're saying, we're putting even the good aside and saying that he is more important than food. He is more important than sleep. He is more important than life itself. And that's really what the person who, who prays and fasts is doing. Um, all right, so what can we pray and fast for? And this is where you can grab out your papers. 
And the rest we're going to just do together and we're going to walk through it. And I'll bring you through it. <clears throat> so as we're going through here, start on the prayer and fasting side. You're going to see there's seven things or eight because the other is an eighth. Uh, things listed. And those are there, by the way, you can pray and fast for whatever you want. That's why other is on there. But sometimes we're not sure where to start. And so for those in here that aren't sure where to start, what can I pray and fast for? Uh, we'll talk about what kind of fast you do in a moment. But uh, what we can pray and fast for, if you're not totally sure, these are some things, to categories sometimes to spark a need in your life. Sometimes you're facing something you're not even thinking about because it's not even a category in your head that I could pray and fast for. Does that make sense? Okay, so Jesus' return. That's biblical. We don't, we're not going to do a whole message on it, but Jesus' return. To, that, that's the Maranatha cry. Uh, to, to pray and fast for his return. All right, here we go. Intimacy with God. I would actually encourage one of your prayer requests this year, if you're in here, uh, to be centered around this, to know God more. Something about drawing near to him, because I don't think any of us reaches this at, in this lifetime. Because I'm under the, the belief that for an eternity we will be getting to know God more. Because he's that infinite and wonderful and beyond our comprehension. So anyways, I would encourage there to be something on number one or two in your uh, prayer and fasting for the month. But from here, how about release of God's power in a situation? When we humble ourselves before God, this is probably the, the exact thing. If I look at the heart behind every other request, when you go through the Bible, and there are, like, from front to back, many, many, many examples of fasting in Scripture. Even more of prayer, but you would see people would face things that were, they're praying through, they're following God, and then they would hit this acknowledge limit, and then now they're adding fasting. Fasting was like that extra boost, but it seems to release God's power. Now I want to be clear, you're not earning his power, you can't earn it. You can't earn grace, you can't earn love, you can't earn his power. But you can release his power, and, and, and God will move when we pray and when we fast. But uh, Mark 9 gives us that, um, in Mark 9 it talks about the, the demon-possessed boy, where Jesus said, some require prayer and what? Fasting. Yeah, okay, but I have another interesting story. If you go to Judges 20, and in Judges 20, it's really, really neat. Uh, there's lots of cool stories in there, obviously, but in Judges 20, you have uh, the Benjamites, and they have just, a group of them have done a horrible sexual sin, and it's been terrible, absolutely gross. And now, now the people of Israel are going to muster together, and they're going to go there, and they want to judge those few people. But instead of giving those few people over, uh, the Benjamites say, absolutely not, even though it was gross what they did, doesn't matter, we're going to defend them. And now you have war. Okay, but something really interesting happens here because the Israelites start by going to God. They go to God and they pray for direction. And God gives them direction, so they're going to war with the Benjamites now to correct an abomination and evil that's in the world or that had happened in their, in their culture or, or uh, nation. And, uh, and they're going there under God's direction. And they go, and guess what happens? They fight and they win. No, they don't win. They lose. Wait a minute, you can pray, get a word from God, obey, and lose? Yes, you can. It's biblical. So then they go back again, and they muster their forces, and they go a second time. And guess what happens the second time? They lost the second time. Two, two times in a row. Can you imagine that? You're doing your best to follow God. Like, to love God is to obey God. That's what it says, right? We keep his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. That one maybe feels a bit burdensome. We prayed, we sought your face, we're doing the right thing, and now we lost. And we did it again, and we lost again. And you know what they found themselves? Going before the Lord, they were weeping, and guess what they did? Now they fasted. This time they fasted, and they wept before the Lord. They humbled themselves before the Lord, and he gave specific instructions on what they were to do, and they went and did it, and he gave them the victory. I bet you there are people in this room right now that are facing things that you are doing your best. You are doing your best to follow what God is asking you to do, but you're still not seeing a breakthrough and you can't figure out why. And you feel weary and tired. I'm doing my best. I'm doing what God's wanting me to do. I'm doing good. Why am I not seeing the breakthrough that I feel like you promised? Maybe it is time to start fasting and praying. Maybe now is that time. I don't know what you're facing. And by the way, what I find really interesting about that Judges 20, does it say that after they fasted and prayed, they didn't actually have to go and fight? 
No, they still have to go and fight. And the reason why I point that out is I'm not saying now we just go to prayer and fasting, we don't do anything like, you know, you struggle with anxiety and now you don't go see a doctor or a therapist. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm saying maybe prayer and fasting is going to release God's power and then you keep doing the good things that you're doing. Fill in the blank and whatever that is. Keep working on whatever you're doing. I'm talking about centering our lives on knowing God and being known by Him. Fasting, humbling ourselves before Him and turning ourselves wholeheartedly to Him and allowing His power to be released in our life. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Release God's power in a situation. Esther fasted before facing the king. She thought she was going to face death. Oh, I would have been terrified, wouldn't you? Yeah. Anyways, there's lots of stories I could have gone to. For direction, our families... You worried about your kids? Are you fasting for them? My parents fasted for me. Well, mom and dad over there. Thank you. Uh, was it one day a week for a few years? One day a week. That was my mom. Yes. One day a week for I don't know how many years, but a bunch of years anyhow, they prayed and fasted for me. And when God gave them the word that they needed to increase because I was close, even though they couldn't see it, they followed that in obedience and I don't know how many months I was saved. So keep loving your kids. Keep pouring into them. <laughs> keep worrying about them and making sure that they're safe. But maybe add prayer and fasting for them as well. There's a lot at stake. We need to see God's power released in our families, our kids, the next generation, and other people. I also pray and fast for the lost. I have people on my list that have been the same people for the last three years. Of course, deliverance from bondage. You got an addiction to pornography? Pray and fast. You're trying everything else? Pray and fast. You got an addiction to your phone? Pray and fast. You're struggling with blank? Pray and fast. And see God's power flow into your life. And for provision, we can ask him for absolutely anything that you need, small or big. Don't worry about it. All your needs. We've prayed and fasted for um, holidays before. And by the way, I know that that's temporal. I know there might be times when we don't get holidays. Not everyone gets holidays in, the, in this world. And yet they can still be fruitful Christians. But yet we, we sought him and we prayed and fasted and we've seen him do some pretty big miracles uh, in there. In fact, I already have, well, I wish I could share them, but you know what it is? Like my, my prayer and fasting list, I was looking at I'm like, what could I share? I don't have anything that I could share from this year yet. I'll try to get some. I have two, like, things that I thought were impossible that I've already seen breakthrough in this year and we're eight days in. Where I'm shocked again, pleasantly. Okay, so we're moving on. See, maybe you've jotted down three to five things needs that you see in your life doesn't have to be long so whatever that might be you got a, a bondage you got a sin you got an you got anxiety you got someone that you want to see saved you have a big need in your life you're facing a mountain relationship issue whatever that is you need to see God's power released in your life yeah you want to know him more choose the type of fast okay so food fast um, media fast I have those two on there you can also do different ones I know Jesus also did um, uh, sleep fast, and we also see Paul talking about sex fasts. We're not going to talk about either of those right now. And I would encourage you in any fast, other than a media one, uh, to, to choose your fast in community, and especially with a, a food fast, to talk to your doctor if you have any health conditions. There, I've done my caveat. Now I want to say, wherever you are, just start, and that's good. You know what? Sometimes we're like, okay, I've never fasted before. Jesus did 40 days, 40 nights. I'm going to do 40 days, 40 nights. Good luck with that. And maybe you will. Maybe you will. But if you're like me, because I've set out to do that, you didn't do it. I didn't do it. And then you fail, and it's miserable. You know what? When my kids learned how to walk, do you know what they learned to do before they could walk? They learned how to stand. You know, as they learned how to stand, they fell many times. I don't even know how many times. Why? Because I didn't count. So you didn't count how many times your kids fell? No, I didn't care. They were trying. They were trying to stand, and they're wobbly. And then they would take a step, and I'm like, yay, you're, you're freaking out because it's awesome. Because they took a step. You know that you have to take more than one step to be able to run a marathon? 40 days and 40 nights, that's a marathon. Nobody starts at a marathon, okay? Unless God has given you a unique calling to do that, and he will then give you the grace to do it. That's how he works. He'll give you the grace to do it. But for the rest of you, I will just encourage you to start somewhere, right? Just pick a fast. Sometimes you overcomplicate it. If you've never fasted before, you can start with whatever you want. Three days, we're going to do this next week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. In the middle, we're going to do a worship time here at the church. 
It's going to be awesome. But if you take one meal, you start there one day, two days, 20 days, I don't know. You decide that's up to you. Okay, media fast. I would include the media, and this is why. Media is one of the primary ways that we feed our souls today. Not just phones. But it is just one of the primary ways that we feed our souls, and it consumes tons and tons and tons and tons of time. So I would encourage a media fast. You can decide how long, what to fast from. Maybe it's only partial. Maybe it's full. You can decide, right? Um, and then other. All right. Now I want to walk through a prayer time. We'll spend the rest of the time on that. So now you've kind of gotten some of your prayer requests a little bit. What you can fast from. Maybe you've decided already. Maybe you want to take a bit more time to decide. That's okay. Last week I hadn't fully decided what I was going to do, and then I just decided to fast Thursday and Friday. Hmm. I woke up Thursday and just said, no, I'm going to fast today. Why not? I hadn't fully decided yet on what I was going to do for the whole month. Now I kind of know, but I didn't then. That's okay. You can do that. Now we're going to work through the Acts prayer model. Now some of you might know it already because I didn't make it up. You punch it in in Google, you'll find that many, 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 many people use it. You know what I like about Acts? It's not like the be-all, end-all about prayer. It isn't. But kind of like we have SMORP for getting into the Word, it just helps you get into the Word. It's nice to have an acronym on do these five things when you're getting into the Word. Uh, this will give you four things to do. It's not exhaustive. You'll find other things to do in prayer. Uh, I do lots of conversational prayer in my journal. That's not actually on here. Uh, but four elements to growing effective prayer that help. And I actually use these elements lots. And you know what else? You'll find these elements in the Lord's Prayer. You'll find those elements in there. You're going to find um, adoration and, and focusing our attention on God. You're going to find that moves into confession. And you're going to find supplication that we're asking for our needs. So you're going to find all those elements in there. So you ready to work through one together? <clears throat> Anyone ready to work through one together? Pull these out? Let's try it. Okay, now if you don't have a pen, you can do it on your phone. This is one time when it's okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Some of you do notes on here, that's fine. Uh, but you can write stuff down on your phone. If you don't want to write it down, you don't have to. Uh, this is a, if you want to, but I'd love to do it together. Uh, if you're young, old, doesn't really matter. We're just going to walk through the different pieces. So if you have a pen here, I'm going to quickly actually grab one because I'm going to do it too. So you work through, we start with adoration. and ad Thank you, babe. Oops. Mike was on for that. Yep, I called her babe. <clears throat> See how I stopped myself now? I wanted to keep going, but I had that control. So, <laughs> I'm learning that as, as I get older. Maybe it's just the fasting from this month. Anyways, adoration. What is an attribute about God that you love? Lord, I love that you are patient with me. I'm going to start writing it down. Lord, I love that you are patient with me. That you don't give up on me, even though I make many mistakes and I'm slow to obey. Lord, I love that you're sovereign. That even when everything is in chaos in the world, oh, I know you're in control no matter what. You're in control. It's great to start with adoration. You just keep going. It's great to start with adoration rather than all the things that are causing you anxiety because it changes your focus. Now, you don't have to pray like that. But you're going to find it's easier and more engaging to pray like that.
now we move into confession. Maybe it's a lack of love for the lost or an angry outburst. Oh, Lord, I just confess being short with my wife. Oh, Lord, I just confess how I cut that guy off. I was so angry, I held on to that. Maybe it's something bigger, maybe it's something smaller. This is the part where you allow yourself to be known by God. We show him even those shameful moments in our life. Lord, I confess being selfish or self-centered. confess running away from you instead of running to you. prayers of confession, it's actually natural to walk into thanksgiving, because the first thing we thank him for is like what 1 John 1, 9 says, when you confess your sins, he's faithful, and he's just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. <laughs> so if you're wondering, what do I thank God for now? First thing is, oh Lord, thank you for your forgiveness again. Then you can thank him for anything else. What are the gifts he's given you? What's, what are the abilities, the talents he's given you? He gave you breath. You woke up with breath today. You have purpose. Maybe you're discovering that. Maybe it's a friend he's given you. Doesn't have to be long. Lord, thank you for the people that you've put in my life. supplication. You're like, what's supplication? Just asking him for your needs. That's the basic way of saying it. What do you need? What do you want God to do? And you think about one of those things that stuck out on that other side. Where, where do you have a big need? You might say, I don't know about writing down my big need. It's pretty big. I understand. When you have a big need, there's actually a risk in writing it down and saying, God, I need this. Because what if he doesn't answer it? Oh, guys, I have so many times when I have not prayed the thing I needed to pray and move forward because I was afraid that I wouldn't get it. I was afraid of disappointment. But I would encourage you to take that step of faith, to begin that journey in prayer, to know God and be known by Him. What do you need Him to do? Just pick one thing and just ask Him briefly. It doesn't have to be long. You don't need wordy. You don't need spiritual prayers. Remember when Pastor Chris talked about that last week? God already knows your needs even before you, you ask Him. Maybe it's a freedom issue. You want freedom. Write it down. Maybe it's something with your kids. Maybe it's personal. Maybe it's anxiety or depression related. You need some hope back in your life. Maybe you want to have a heart for the lost. You want a heart, you want God to upgrade that heart of yours. Just write it down.
guys want to stand with me? We're going to sing a last song together. And as the worship team begins to lead us, I'm going to encourage you to just pray out loud and bring your request to God. You just tell them in your words. Uh, maybe there was other requests too, but just worship him, thank him for his faithfulness. But ask him today to grow you in a, in a deeper relationship of knowing him and being known by him. But Lord, right now I, I ask for each one of us as we go into this last song of worship to you for today. And Lord, my prayer is that this month, this year, that you would awaken something in this place. I ask that you would put a fire in our hearts for prayer. Lord, that we would learn the secret that so many saints have learned before us. The secrets of that secret place of finding you in prayer, of bringing our needs and our heart and our lives before you. But Lord, I ask that you would teach us to bear our lives to you there. That we wouldn't hide. So many of us are hiding, Lord. We're hiding behind so many walls, trying to stay safe. And Lord, I pray that in your presence, we would be able to, to release all of those walls and that they would be able to come down. I pray that we would be able to fully be known by you in an experiential way and that, and that above that, Lord, that we would be able to know you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray together and then let's sing.